Afterthoughts, Episode 7. Afterthoughts. I'm your host, Paul Steele. I'm the senior pastor at Bethlehem Church in Austin, Minnesota. Now, Afterthoughts is the podcast of Bethlehem Church where we uh, go beyond the Sunday sermon. And by that, I mean that we are going to take a look at additional information, some some questions that may come up, uh, things that are relevant to what was said on Sunday morning. The reality is that we can't cover everything in a 30-minute sermon. And our hope, our goal is to help people understand the, the Bible better. And so we want to provide this additional resource to do just that. Now, you may notice that we've been on hiatus here at Afterthoughts, and that's partly by design. When I started Afterthoughts in, in, uh, at the end of June, uh, my hope was just to kind of get a proof of concept. You know, could I really do this on a, on a weekly basis? And then I wanted to get started in earnest when we began the story. Now, uh, we started the story a few weeks ago, and I'm just now getting ready to uh, to record the first the first episode back. Uh, my hope is to to do a few of these, get caught back up, and so every week we would be uh, going uh, right along with what we're reading about every week. And and part of this, uh, and the reason I really wanted to start again with the story is because I knew as we went through the story, people would have questions. Now, the story is an abridged version of the Bible, and I've been calling it a tool. It's a tool that we're using to accomplish two things. One, uh, to get an overarching understanding of what the Bible is about, that the Bible is God's story and his call to us to join him in that story. And the second is to uh, help us to develop that regular consistent uh, discipline of reading the Bible. As followers of Jesus, we believe that the the Bible is God's gift to us. It's his word to us, and that means to be good stewards of it. We need to take time to read it, to study it, to talk about it, to apply it to our lives. And that's our prayer, our hope through the story that we would develop that habit. Now, the first chapter of the story covers... Genesis chapters 1 through 11, and it's entitled Creation, the Beginning of the World as We Know It. And this is a huge chunk of scripture. And one of the things that you might realize is that within this uh, section of scripture, there are two events that kind of come in conflict or questions when it comes to science, creation and, and the flood. And, and there's a lot of information out there, a lot of resources that yeah, help us reconcile those things or give us a, an understanding. But I want to I be clear because I think this is important and, and I wish more pastors would, would just admit this reality. And, and that is that I'm not a scientist. I'm, I'm a pastor. I'm a, a student of the Bible. Uh, I'm not a scientist. And, and what that means is that while I can come and I can study scripture, I'm not in the position to evaluate arguments, uh, scientific arguments or, or data to see, oh yeah, this is, this is true, this lines up, this is 
just not in that position. And, uh, and so while there might be things out there that I agree with that I think are, uh, is useful, uh, makes sense, uh, I'm not necessarily saying, oh, this is the way that it has to be. And with me saying that, I, I want us to, to remember what Genesis is trying to tell us. In Genesis, particularly right now, just looking at Genesis uh, chapters 1 and 2 with, with creation. And so often we get hung up on the when and the how of creation. And that's not necessarily what God is concerned about when he, uh, when he instructed or inspired uh, Moses to put this down and give us this, these, this, the creation account. Remember the context, the historical context of what's going on. If we are correct, or if I'm correct, and it's, it's Moses, or at least one of his contemporaries, that is uh, putting the, these things down on paper, if God is inspiring him here, uh, that means that he's writing primarily to his audiences, uh, people who have spent their entire lives in pagan and paganism. That's that's what they're familiar with, and um, and so Moses is helping helping them see how Yahweh God, the God of Abraham. Isaac and Jacob, the God of their ancestors, is different than the pagan gods of Egypt or the pagan gods that they will encounter in the promised land, uh, uh, that, that there is a, a difference there. And one of the main differences that, that we should see there is that when God creates, uh, God creates out of his, his uh, wisdom and his power and his love and, and by the power of his word, there's there's no act of violence here. There's no struggle. There's no, God is powerful enough that, that when he says, hey, let there be light, there is light. That is, and no matter what similarities that there may be with other ancient myths, this is, this difference is important. And it's, and it's showing the, the Israelites that their God, the God that is delivering them, that's bringing them out of slavery is different than all these other gods. And I think that's the main point. And even when you get down to Genesis chapters one and two and these two different kind of creation accounts where, where chapter two kind of is, is this more uh, focused version of creation, what you see in both those accounts is, and, and the common theme that's found in both of them is that idea of God bringing order out of chaos. So you have the chaotic waters, the waters of the deep, the, and, and the darkness that God separates uh, out of, that he creates out of. And, and uh, in Genesis chapter 2, you have this, this, uh, this land that, uh, that's not cultivated yet, uh, that is just plain watered. Uh, and, and remember, again, if, if you're talking about uh, people who have spent their lives in, in Egypt and they, they know about the flood season and how the water comes up. Think about what's being said there is that, is that there's this water, there's no rain, there's, there's water that's, that's coming up and that's going to cause this, 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 this overgrowth of stuff. There's no fields, there's no vineyards, there's no cultivation happening. And then God comes and, 
and, and he brings order out of this this chaos by by what by by bringing in irrigation by by putting in these these uh, these rivers by planting this garden and so right away God brings order out of chaos that's what's happening that is the main the main idea that our God the 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 God of Isaac of Abraham Isaac and Jacob is is that's what he is concerned about he's not concerned about creating chaos but rather bringing order out of that chaos and this is this is how he does it so those are some of the main themes so so right away you you we understand that okay these are these are mythic stories that that doesn't mean that they're untrue but they're they're these fundamental stories that is shaping the foundation of of people's belief in God uh, that is showing them, telling them truths about God. Now, does that need to, how closely does the, do those stories then need to match up with, with the science of all things? And, and that is where I'm like, I don't know. I, I just, I don't know what, uh, how closely they need to, um, it, for us to to still say, hey, this is who God is. This is what God is doing. Um, you know, it does how true, uh, how factual does this story have to be in order to still be true? And, the, and those are those are those are questions I think that are legitimate and that can be wrestled with. But I think. And one of the messages I'd like people to hear is that if if you if you hear this call of Jesus, if you want to follow Jesus, but you're kind of getting hung up and and saying, "Hey, uh, I don't know if I can get behind this whole idea that the Earth is only six to ten thousand years old, and all this happened," you know, like like that's not what you know what I was taught, and that's not what the science seems to say. Uh, and so one of the things I want to say is that, that following Jesus does not demand that you believe those things, because I think the text is wide enough uh, to, to have a wide variety of viewpoints, especially as we kind of hash some of this out uh, as far as the, as the science goes. And, and, and just admitting like, hey, this may make sense, but I'm not, I don't have the credentials, I don't have the training to adequately uh, evaluate those things. So I can't go out there with any sort of authority and say, yeah, this is how it is. All I can say is, this is what I believe. This is what I see the text is saying. And so, yeah, in my heart of hearts, I still lean towards young earth creationism. I totally do. Uh, but I know too that, uh, I don't necessarily want to hang my hat on that just in case I don't, I didn't evaluate things right. I want to be true to what the text is saying. And I don't think the text demands that this is what, uh, this is how the earth was created, that this is how old the earth is. Now, the, the second thing uh, then is around the whole uh, ark and, and the flood. And that's, that's another tough one. Uh, you know, is is the is the flood a, a global flood? I mean, it sure seems like that from the text, or is it more uh, local? You know, was the was the ark uh, actually able to be big enough to to hold all these animals? 
uh, and apparently, I mean, they've done some some calculations. Apparently, that that if you're focusing on just kinds of animals and not species of animals, that yeah, yeah, you, you that can realistically could have happened. I mean, uh, so I again, I don't know what, but what we're we're seeing and what the text is telling us is that is that one that God uh, was sorrowful. There was this grief that he had because of the way uh, humankind was responding and and this need to, to begin again. And so a wiping clean of, of creation to, to start over uh, because humankind had come to this place where every inclination of their, their thoughts and their, their, their intentions were just, were just evil. And uh, so uh, again, I, I think it's worthwhile if you have that interest to, to see what the science says, to see how these things can be reconciled, but not necessarily saying like, man, these have to totally line up in, in order to be true, because I'm not for sure that that's what the Bible is saying to us, that the, but rather the Bible is giving us a, big, uh, a bigger picture of what is is going on and how God is is working in the world and and maybe using stories that uh, that uh, the Israelites would have been familiar with in order to do that and so uh, I, I think I think that is to be humble enough to, to say okay what is going on and not necessarily demanding like these things have to line up this way and if you don't believe that way then you're a heretic. I think you're going down kind of a danger, dangerous road when, when you do that. Uh, with, so with that being said, uh, I think I think the main thing when we're looking at at these first eleven chapters of Genesis uh, is is to see uh, this the reality that the Bible says is that humans are created in the image of God, and, and exactly what does that mean? So on day uh, day six of creation, uh, after God had created the other land animals, he, he, he decides to create human beings, and he says, hey, let's create humankind in our image, and, uh, and God created uh, human beings in his image, male and female. So what does that mean? that mean well uh, you see part of that with uh, with the with the role that that he gave humans to play within uh, creation so Genesis chapter 1 Genesis chapter 1 um, verses uh, 20 20 uh, 6 and 20 through 28 uh, then God said let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So when we're looking here, we're looking at the fact that God created us in his image. And the main task that God is giving us is, uh, or that he gave to 
humankind is the task of reigning over creation and our image uh, to be like us, to be his representatives. So God created human beings to represent him in this world. That is, that, that's our task. So to be in God's image means to represent him, to reflect his, his, his character in this world, to rule over this world with his wisdom and compassion, uh, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, and his creativity, all those, all those things, uh, even, even his justice. Uh, but for us to do that well, for us to do that period, requires us to be connected with God, right? To have a connection with God where God's life and his wisdom is pouring into us so that as we go in this world, as we live, as we make our way, as we reign and represent God, that we do it uh, naturally because his life is flowing through us. And we... And we love with his love and we make decisions based with his wisdom now that's the setup that's who we are now when we move over then to genesis chapter 3 with what we call the fall uh this is this is what happens is that god puts two trees in this garden this garden that he plants and and all these trees produce fruit that is good for human beings to eat and for their life. And these two trees, the, the life of the, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they're they're in the center of the garden and 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 they present human beings with a choice. Because God says, hey, you can eat of any of these trees in this garden, but this one tree, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you stay away from. You don't eat that fruit because when you do, you're going to die. Now, what happens in the Genesis account is that Eve gets seduced. And I think that's a great word here to use for this, that she gets seduced by this fruit. Yeah, the serpent urges her along, but uh, it's, it's what she begins to desire. And verse 6 of, of Genesis chapter 3, I, th I think this is, this is crucial to understand what's going on. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give her, so she took some of the fruit and ate it. Okay, so look at look at what's happening here. Eve is being tempted totally by her flesh. She saw that the tree was beautiful. She she saw that the the fruit looked delicious. She she desired the wisdom that it would give to her. These are her, this is her flesh calling out. And this, this is why I don't necessarily uh, think you have to say that like after the fall, we were born with this sin nature because here, here right in this text with Eve, you see that when she neglects her relationship with God, when she isn't led by the spirit of God and she lets her flesh 
control her thoughts, then she does what is right in her uh, eyes, what seems right, what looks beautiful, what looks delicious, what will give her what she wants. So, so if that is true with, with Eve, why, why, why does there need to be this thing that comes in called this sin nature? Why isn't it just our flesh that's been with us from the very beginning that controls us that when we don't consciously maintain this and intentionally maintain this connection with God, where we're allowing the Spirit to guide us, for God's wisdom to guide us, just take over. I mean, so I just think it makes more sense to say our flesh consumes us and guides us. And that's what Eve allowed to happen. For us to truly represent God, for us to demonstrate his character in this world, we needed a constant connection with God where he is pouring his life, his wisdom into us. But when we neglect that, when Eve neglects that, when Adam appears to neglect that and they allow their flesh to take over, and that decide, hey, we're going to declare what is right and what is wrong, what is good and evil. Because remember, up to this point, God's been the one who's defining what is good and what is not good. And here these humans who are created in the image of God, so they're already as much like God as they ever will be. When they allow that connection to, to fall away, they act on that desire they have to declare what is right, what is wrong, what is good, what is evil, and they take that fruit and they eat it. It appears Eve was, was consumed with, with, with the thought of wisdom, with knowledge, it appears Adam just, he desired his wife. He went along with his wife. And both Adam and Eve gave in to this flesh, to the, to the flesh rather than being guided by the spirit, rather than maintaining the, a spiritual connection with God. And that is what happens. And so the result is that sin enters the world. We begin because that connection has been severed and uh, we human beings begin to really create a world system that's built on the flesh, built on what then starts to be called the world, rather than maintaining or, or seeking out God's wisdom, his guidance, and creating a system uh, that is based on God and his love and his character. And, and that's what, especially the, the next uh, chapters up to chapter 11 of the Bible really focus on. But you can see it throughout the rest of the Bible where people are given choices and time and time again in their choices, they do what their flesh desires rather than doing what God has called right or what God has called good. And we see it with, with Cain and Abel. We don't know the whole story there. We don't know uh, what God 
told them about sacrifices. We just know that, that Abel accepted God's definition of good. What is a good sacrifice? And Cain did not. Cain decided, hey, this is good enough for a sacrifice to God and became envious when God accepted Abel's rather than his. And then that led him to make the choice to kill his brother. And you see that with, with other people. It appears then when you get to Noah, like, hey, Noah's a righteous man. Noah is following, following after God. He is letting God uh, to declare what is good and what is evil, what is right and what is wrong. And, uh, and he builds the ark. And in the face of opposition, in the face of ridicule, in the face of time, right? A hundred years, who we, we give up after a couple of weeks of doing something. For a hundred years, Noah, in the face of ridicule, is building this ark. And so it appears like, hey, this is the guy. This is the perfect guy to start over with. But it's not long after the flood, after they've landed, after they started uh, reigning and ruling again that, that Adam makes this choice to, to plant a vineyard and then the choice to uh, ferment some grape juice and make some wine and get drunk. And then there's some stuff that happens and man, uh, things just start spiraling out of control again. And then you get to chapter 11. And I think 11 is, is, a, is a crucial story in this whole thing because uh, you have human beings who are called to go fill the earth, multiply, and instead of listening to God's voice, right, instead of accepting God's mandate on their life, they've decided to uh, stay in one place and build this huge town with this huge tower uh, to make a name for themselves. That's what they want to do. They want to take the place of God and and so whatever they're trying to accomplish here, whether they're building, trying to build this tower up to heaven and, and, uh, and, and take from God uh, what they think they need or whatever, uh, God looks down and, and says and, and understands that, hey, if these people are allowed to continue to be together, uh, it's going to just be like day, the days of Noah where the inclination, the thought of people's hearts, every inclination and thought that they have is going to be evil. And so he, God scatters the people. And, uh, and that's where you, you're left at. It, it's kind of this downer. It's, you start with God's creation of humankind and his image, and you end here uh, when, in chapter 11 on this down note where God has scattered everyone because they're not accepting, uh, they're not accepting his definition of what is good and what is evil, what is uh, what is uh, right and what is wrong. They're they're still continuing to do that themselves. So really, that's the beginning of the world that as we know it, because this this continues on to this day. We live in a world, a worldly system that will tell us this is right, this is wrong, this is good, and this is evil. And that spiritual connection we have with God is basically absent. So God's not necessarily informing all of these, these decisions, all of these 
these things that are good and evil. Uh, we are based on our flesh. We're saying this is good, this is evil. And that continues to be the source of problem that we have in this world. This is the start of the world as we know it. And, uh, and to, to see that that is the issue, that as human beings, we want to live in our autonomy to declare our version of good and evil, what we think is true, what we think is beautiful, you know? And, and that leads to a lot of trouble, a lot of hurt, a lot of evil, a lot of violence. And God is, God is saying, this is, this is not good. And, and so what is God going to do about it? Well, that's what the next chapter is all about, is this is what God is going to come and do uh, to restore, to redeem his good creation. Um, so hopefully that kind of gave you some, some insight, kind of gave you some bigger information uh, about where we're coming from, uh, at least where I'm coming from with, with creation, with, with the Bible and science. And, and particularly, I think, this understanding of, of uh, being created in God's image and what that means and, and what that requires, a, a constant connection with God, uh, because we need to represent him well uh, to bear his glory. Uh, Roman, uh, Romans 3.23, right? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God uh, that uh, we haven't lived up to bearing his image uh, because we have declared this is right, this is wrong. We have done that and, and we've sinned and we've fallen short. So what that requires is a connection with God and that's, that's hard to do and we need some help in doing it. And the good news is that there's help on the way. And so that's what we'll talk about next week. If you have any questions, any comments, feel free to uh, to let me know. Uh, you can uh, you can go ahead and uh, and e email me at uh, at Pastor Paul at Pastor Paul Steele at gmail.com, or you could. Uh, uh, Go to the website uh, BethlehemChurchAustin.com and uh, and uh, find the contact on there and 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 leave me a message uh, and uh, I'll try to to answer your questions on this and uh, and yeah so thank you for thank you for watching if you've enjoyed this make sure that you like and subscribe uh, share it around uh, to people who you think might enjoy it as well. And uh, have a great, wonderful week. And uh, I'll see you next time. God bless.